to the Intralingo World Lit Podcast. I'm Lisa Carter, your host, founder, and creative director of Intralingo. In today's episode, I speak with Shugri Saeed Sal about her memoir, The Last Nomad, Coming of Age in the Somali Desert. Shugri comes from a long line of oral poets and storytellers. In her book, she describes her cultural tradition of storytelling as nomadic, like clouds scuttling and changing shape. Well, that's the flavor of this conversation, too. To listen to Shugri is to be transported. I hope you will enjoy our conversation. I love this. So um, today I am in conversation with Shugri Saeed Sal about her memoir, The Last Nomad, Coming of Age in the Somali Desert. And I'm so very happy to be speaking with you today, Shugri. Oh, Lisa, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, like I said, you're from Ottawa, and I'm so grateful that someone from my hometown is interviewing me. Thank you so much, Lisa. I am very excited for us to be this sort of, you know, I have my tea. I don't know about you. Perfect. I have my water. All right. So we're we're good. And it's cafe free because not not getting hyper here. And there you go. Yeah. And it really just, we're, you know, we're not gathering by a fire, but we are gathering by a computer and I can see your lovely face and, and that's, that's enough for me. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, I really think in this time where we've had to be apart, it's amazing how close we can feel to one another through a screen when we come to it with that open heart and willingness. Really, and we can just, I feel like sometimes I find myself leaning into people just the way I am right now leaning to, we are very adaptable. You know, I could be so different from somebody's idea. I hope they listen, right, Lisa? Exactly. Oh, that is, that's, you know, but that's really the essence of your book as well. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm just going to read this one line because it's in the (laughs) prologue. And this is what made me feel an immediate connection to you. And so excited for the rest of your story was, you said stories have always created understanding and connection between humans. In this era of great misunderstanding, I wish to help rein us back into our shared humanity. And I feel like that's what this time is doing. That's what your book is doing. Um, And it's so important. Oh, my God, Lisa, it is so important. Um, um, Imagine, I often find very connected to someone who is a refugee or fleeing home. My patients know how to be connected. Um, if, if If they tell you their story, someone who's sick and suffering, that made them more compassionate, right? Yes. So right now, Lisa, as the war is happening in Afghanistan and things mm-hmm. are happening, I find myself being triggered. I find myself reliving in the past. Mm. I find myself my longing to see my home and have closure with it, get it. So definitely. And I know, Lisa, when I tell you, so many people finally, I can see when they approach me, their heart open, you know. Here is this woman who went through all of this, yet she's living among us. And I don't see her wailing and I don't see her um, succumbing to her own belly. It doesn't mean I don't carry psychological mm-hmm. things, but I am also deeply and deeply grateful. This is the reason I almost cry when you say you're from Ottawa, because all that Lisa lives within me. Everyone yes. who's Canada took me home 
home. And it may be something that people for, take for granted. Even now I'm fighting these tears because that is, Canada is like a mother. It blanketed us to like, you are okay, Shukri, I got you. You can now let go of your trouble, Canadian say to me, I'm carrying with you. And because of the love Canadian showed me and that taking this bewildering refugee girl who did not speak English, mm. you know, you, they set the tone who I will become uh, as the rest of my adult life, right? Yes. When I was a teenager, what I expected uh, from the world, right? If Canada had ruined me and put me into jail or put me in horrible or discriminate me terribly, I, I don't know if um, I would have been who I am. Now, mm -hmm. that is aside from, as you know, my amazing nomadic grandmother who shaped yes. this, this woman I am today. And, you know, but I think so do my sisters. A lot of amazing women, a uh, village of women has made me who I am today. Mm. Isn't that incredible? You know, your whole memoir, which takes us from your childhood in Somalia, all the way to after you arrive in Canada as a refugee through the war, you know, it's, it's so, it's such a, a common story in that mm. there are still exactly, as you said, people fleeing their homes, forced into being refugees, everywhere today yeah. even and still. even right now um dry climate change drought yes. um someone was what do i talk about in the desert rain drought all of this water right mm -hmm. in here in california we are talking about conserving water being mindful i mean my lawn is drying out because i'm like okay perhaps we can put some rocks right mm -hmm. um, but I often tell people, um, when you are here, we are conserving, but we're still getting a water from the faucet. We still have a, a taken a shower less, but still living life very normal. In the desert, uh, what's happening, the climate change is extreme. Everything is more extreme where the water is in scarcity, right? Mm -hmm. So I often remind people, please have compassion. And I'm telling you, you can, through me, everything lives in me, right? This desert life, Lisa, mm -hmm. lives in me. When I say I'm a portal between two worlds or, or carrying someone, all of these stories, it is me, Lisa. This Canadianness lives in me. This Somaliness lives in me. And now this... American and then specifically this Californian like I live in among the hippies <laughs> I am a melting pot of what it's like to be the ultimate immigrant who you know um what do you call um someone who took everything in and just produced this different kind of flower but mm -hmm. still the same person you know yes. and I have so much gratitude and and uh, just melting of the heart for all of these people who you know countries that took me in influencing me make me yeah it, it was quite a journey lisa um mm -hmm. and when i look at that young girl who was just run out of her home like a bird whose nest was burned down did not have time even to look back as maybe i i i i my wings are they flapping around in distress, you know, I couldn't mm -hmm. look 
back. And for the longest, I would have this nightmare where I am hovering over Mukdisho, crying. And that um, I can't help the hopelessness that radiated in my body was very uh, um, uh, visceral, right? Yes. The word, right? Yes. I am watching my Somalia below me bellowing with pain mm -hmm. and crying and my people young old and babies strapped in their mother's bag uh, orderly just saying what is going on where am i going so this is mm -hmm. the story i want to bring you in a bended knee and say hey hear my story perhaps you would have a compassion i am human i am of you Please, you know, don't shut me off. My best friend was telling me a story. He told me a story of a flower that bloomed in a desert. In, and in, it's a poem that's Arabic, but it says, in Arabic, it says, even this flower that is surrounded by drought and harshness, refused to succumb to it and it come out and bloomed with such a beauty. And I don't know why, such a poetic, coming from a long line of uh, nations of poets and proverbs yes. and uh, oral traditions, it just resonated to me that mm -hmm. it is that if you can be that flower that shined through out of the destruction, that flower chose to bloom with its beautiful fluorescent colors. And I go, oh, that is life. You know, Sugar, take us back to the desert. Take me into that desert where you grew up as a nomad with your grandmother. You paint such a beautiful picture of it, but it's also very realistic, exactly as you said, the mm -hmm. drought. Sometimes you would have to walk, you know, for, for long, hours, for long, certainly, uh, and days to find water. And oh, tell us both sides. You are... Um, so right, Lisa, and if I forget something, you can remind me. Sometimes I can get started <laughs> and I can forget and things. It's Don't perfect. know whether it's premenopausal or other issues. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? Or COVID thing. I don't know what to play, you know. I probably need to, to hike more. Um, I've been hiking with nature, which has been lovely. Mm. Yeah, I, my ancestors or my the women I the people that I came from, I, I said I come from a long line of of, of nomads, and we, they were in a ceaseless end for grazing land and water. Right, this is the people who have seen the best of the the desert birthing, birthing its green lush and the desert drying and showing into its skeleton self, right? The desert to show them. So these are the people who say, I, that say, I bellow, as I talked about in the, in, in the book, the old man bellow into the desert, voicing his agony. For he knew, I'm not coding myself, but for he knew this land took all he owned. You know, he's watching his voracious camel succumb to the desert. And when a desert, when a camel, the most drought resistance animal, by the way, who goes on without a water for months, many don't know that, right? It is succumbing to the desert. Can you imagine the people, right? And so as a young girl, um, I seen both the beauty and the, the, uh, the, the harshness or the the desperation of the desert 
But like a somebody, I always lean into the beauty of it, right? And I remember like looking after my goats, um, climbing Termite Mount, you know, calling my goats when they wander off, Kaloi, Kaloi, which means come here, just like my grandmother um, did it. And just watchlessly, vigilantly for, um, like I say, uh, foxes. Um, um, something called red one, which is gududane, the bob-like cat or crackles, I think. Or also, you know, you gotta watch for hyenas and the lions and how brave. I have no fear of those things, Lisa, because I watched my own grandmother, you know, you know, rule this desert with such authority. This is a woman who, like I say, tamed camel, was a camel herder a job or a work that was usually an only man's job. And, and that meant she was away as a camel herder uh, for weeks at times, because, you know, there you will encounter lions and hyenas. And I often couldn't help. Even now I'm like, how do you survive? So that is the world that I come from. I was, my, my apology, um, I, um, I come from a world where I I was bitten by scorpion, you know, by snake, um, everything, and um, chased by like the scene of the the book, the first chapter after the prologue talks about being chased by a a warhawk and and they are fishes. So I lived with that, but I still see that young girl standing on the top of the the termite mount, right? Looking out in the distance. And these termite mounts are red, by the way. And I'm standing at the peak of it and I'm looking into the distance. You know, it's almost like conquering my own desert, like my grandmother, and seeing what lays ahead of me and thinking where that little, where the mirage or far away into the horizon, oh, that is where the desert meets <laughs> the, the land, the desert and the earth meet. And as a child, really in the book, I told you when I was confused, I told it because I want you to kind of identify this confused child. And it was un 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 unlike any other writing because a lot of people, when they were writing, if that was the case for them, they kind of put their adult self. I want you to, to know when I thought the red one was, was he a beast or, you know, blood second thing. All my confusion, I took you in. And, you know, when I'm looking at the woman, I mistaken her for the gududane or the red one. I'm like, hello, anybody, are you going to do something? I have, now I saved the desert, you know. Truly, I thought I, you know, I did something amazing. And it was childlike imagination, you know, Lisa. In fact, as I write now for children, I find myself like unleashing this childlike mind that really always wanted to write and I'm happy to say I'm working on a picture book and, and a middle grade that's almost done and actually also Lisa the last nomad is going to give birth to young readers version how exciting that yeah, is fantastic yeah. yes though that is so great I can see that just being wonderful and you know you said it already as well but you you come from a culture and a line that are storytellers yeah and and so I even to yeah here to you are that, that sorry to interrupt that by mm. the time when I come back to home at night 
That is what we sat by the fire, heard stories that existed, that was handed down from many generations. Now we're talking about thousands and years ago, you know, and and here I am sitting by the fire and a story that is a thousands of years ago is here landing and it's being told by my grandmother or uncles and these people who just were knew how to survive this desert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, I cut you off. My apology. No, no, that I was just <laughs> going to say that that's perfect, though, you know, and um, and so here you are sharing the stories you know, with people who have never heard them before, with people who have no experience. And, and you know, you, you say in the title that you're the last nomad, the last nomad of your line, of course, um, and nomads do continue, but you are continuing the tradition in a different place and yeah. in a different way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure, I think um, my children, you know, one of our favorite times still is when, you know, we can gather and just no, like we, we try to be mindful how to use um, electronics, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I don't want to lose. So I, I now give education, you know, if someone is sitting with you, I think the best respect you can give is put that device down. Mm-hmm. I am here with you. Therefore, I should get precedence over someone who's not there, honey. So they are all kind of like mindful of being present and sharing our stories. And um, my son um, told me, mom, um, he's a small guy. So I often, you know, I don't know how he felt about it, but I had something called with him a double digit talk when he turned 10 and I, I told him all his ancestors and I told him especially the special story of my grandfather my grandmother was six feet but my grandfather was actually a small guy they said small light-skinned guy and so I told him he was a warrior he was a man who was a respected clan leader and all and he was just a small, small like you and the, and then I have forgotten that I told him all of this years later when another mother was complaining to me that she's very um she's very worried her son is small and he's getting angry I said I think Sammy is okay I think my son is doing okay and then somebody else had told her maybe Sammy oh I don't think Sam's okay so I said you know what I'm one of those let's go to the source I said how are you how are you doing what helped you overcome your little smallness and gain the confidence because to be honest he's an el- a healthy alpha male right like someone who other males gravitate and he's this cool kid now who's everybody's like Sam is Adam. he's like hurting ch- people around and I, I realized what helped him I think what he say is Hoya that story helped him it helped me telling me who I come from and all of that seeing that I am not just a small for no reason, that it is genetically hardwired in me to be. And I figured that also all of this amazingness must be hardwired in me as well. So I'm like, good job, mama. And he yes. is very confident young man today. Now I'm not saying, I'm sure maybe there are times everybody, right? Self-esteem is something that is evolving. There are days we feel, oh my gosh, what am I writing? I'm not having a good day. But that is a human nature and we need to be kind with each other. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, even the people who think they attained all their problem, 
have problem. Let me tell you, we all go to the bathroom and shit. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so that is as real as it gets, you know. And in my case, as a child, it was in the desert, you know, you know, telling the tank beetle, don't take my feces, you know. <laughs> but for others, just because it's flushed out, it's just that reminds us the humanness of it. We all, yes. keep, we all you know, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the nurse side of me is coming out. That's <laughs> great. But then Lisa, Lisa, that is me because in the book, as as you were reading, you can see that side of me. Humor is another way I help that helps help me survive. That still yes. helps me survive. You know? I loved that aspect of the book as well because yeah. you know it. Well, one, it's truly your voice, and now I can see that. I love that. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, memoir can be um, it can be difficult. It can be emotional. It is you are revealing very deep truths about yourself, um, and that levity is part of it as well because life is not all dark or all bright. Exactly as you just said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is so true because um, Lisa, it was so interesting because um, people were asking me, "Oh my God, Shukri, was it this book?" First of all, it has so many things right in it. it it's it, it, living in this book is so many amazing stories. Obviously, along with female circumcision and maybe an orphanage, lived in my first love and heartbreak and, and life of Mogadishu. Like I'm actually gonna have a. My daughter and I were hiking the other day, and we were as we do, no phone, just two women hiking. Because had I had my phone, I go. Oh, I gotta make sure that appointment. Somebody's calling me about <laughs> the next interview. And we both left it and we said, let's be among nature so we could hear the birds. And and as and I was hiking, she was um, I was realizing all the thing. She was like, Mom, I didn't know Somalia. You were talking about this young youngsters in your high school who had vacation in in London, in Europe and going different countries, Italy, Germany. Yeah, I said. They were the ultra rich and ultra poor, right? And mm-hmm. we all live together. And she goes like, I felt like even the life of Mogadishu, the broken teenager listening to music in here, maybe in your time, Lisa, you listen Whitney Houston, I think. And in my time, you know, perhaps I listen to Umar Dule and, and he helped me remedy my broken heart, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, right? So it is so relatable. Here's my young daughter relating. So like I said, it is so much in this story that there is obviously the female circumcision and, and the beautiful of, you know, just beautiful desert life, beautiful, all that. So mm-hmm. I really want to really people to just be taken to a world that is quite different from them. And a lot of people have sending me, um, of my friends and random people who are like, oh my God, my friends would say, oh my gosh, I knew you were writing a book, but honestly, I did not know that you were writing a story that I couldn't put it down, is what I hear. And I am still saying, really? Like, they're like, Shukri, this is, such a you have opened my mind and heart so well that now I feel like like I don't know they feel one with everything like oh my god I understand you and that is exactly why I did things the way it is that why I excavate this for you why I show you who I am and why even when I was writing about 
things like female circumcision, yes. why you don't feel like I'm riding such a bad, um, such a really hard aching because I told as a story, hey, I say, I am not mad at women who did to me. I'm not mad at people who hold me. And you may be even surprised to learn that the hardest of chapter to, to write about was not even the female circumcision. It was the orphanage and shows mm. about the human emotions, right? I felt vulnerable and and lonely and um, a child who no one wanted it, you know, when I was put into that place. And and then again, I talked about even, even though in the orphanage, I cried that chapter. I also, it's a chapter that reminded me the man who become almost like a father figure, Nicholas, who I talked about in the story, mm -hmm. like the place I lived to, I was raised by um, Canadian. And do you know, don't know what it is, Lisa? This is a beautiful thing that I'm about to tell you. Do you know in that orphanage, so and Canadian maybe, but happens that why, that's why whenever the word Canadian brings me to tears, mm -hmm. because the woman who took me in as that nine-year-old who come from the desert and a refugee was a Canadian woman named yes. Sandra. And even when I was writing this book, I sang to, to evoke a memory from that time. So we used to say, say, so what I'm saying is a Kim who comes from Canada is a, is a mother. Mm. So may Canada be blessed and live long. And Anne, who also took us in, who helped, but it was owned by Canadian, right? Mm -hmm. But Anne also was another prominent lady who helped, was from England. So we say Anne the way England, and Anne is an aunt. Okay. Aunt meaning my aunt, yes. kinship to my father usually. Uh, and so may the England be blessed and and forever live right mm -hmm. so look at me so young after I get over with all the pain that I was dealing with it that is I am like I don't know I'm okay but right now Lisa I'm such a so tickled because I'm putting I'm having an aha moment right yes and I really I am king like I'm remembering the woman who raised me and no wonder I'm so connected. Isn't it fitting and that Lisa, that, that the person that took me in as that young girl is the country that took, took care of me yes. is, is, is Canada. And, mm -hmm. and I'm sorry, I didn't mean no. to get, I really tried to fight it off this the whole time. Don't. And now it just occurred to me that it was, it was owned, that family for children, which become a different company now. People can research, we used to call it FFC. It's, it was Canada. So no wonder yes. that I have this visceral, little, when I call a core that connected me, this is this anchorness I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Like Canada took care of me even as a child. Yeah, and now I'm gonna look so messy. No, you're perfect. <laughs> you are come out because no, I'm so. And Lisa, I never put together until I am talking to you. Like, yeah, isn't that amazing? It's yeah. you know, it's incredible to me. There's so much there that you know when 
when you say that, you know, you were writing about the female circumcision and that wasn't even the hardest part to me, what I also hear is that wasn't the hardest part because that was a connection to your culture. It was a connection to the way you lived as a young child, yeah. to your grandmother. Yeah. And the orphanage was much more difficult because it was a break from that. And it yeah. was the start, really, of your, your new culture. Yeah, um, it is. And, and I often say, you know, a child who went through cancer, who's been supported and, and, and can go through really well, but the child who have a felt did not feel the support and suck, suffer and perhaps the parents were picketing or whatever the child was going may not may not remember it with a good feeling for me mm -hmm. i um for me that orphanage being thrown into it and losing living all that culture and seeing um a white people for the first time and just feeling imagine uh, someone who's so different from me and saying, what is going on? I'm lost. And and I think that the reason I find is there's a scene I keep trying to run away home. There's this foreboding feeling written in that scene that I'm trying to go home, perhaps go home to that place where there's a fire by the, the desert. I'm seeking that skies, the desert sky that wants to shine above me mm -hmm. in such a black night that called me. I felt that it was calling me and I couldn't go home. And the guards chased me like a stray dog go back and I kept going. And the words I will utter as a young child, even in Somalis, when I say, I should journey now out of here. Then to my sibling in the orphanage, you too should journey about after me. It's such a nomadic, big word, you know, for a child to even utter that type mm -hmm. of words. It's just... It's all together really beautiful world. And the fact that I'm even here, Lisa, uh, writing, telling you my story, it has come a full circle telling you my story. As a Canadian, it, it has come a full circle for it me. Is. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. You know, I think you've given us an incredible gift as well, just by in, in that realization and in that sharing, because one of the things that I hear as you talk about that experience of being cared for by Canadians and then being able to find a home in Canada when you were forced to flee. It's yeah. something for me as a Canadian to remember what it means for us who are yeah. privileged enough to be here to welcome people yeah. who have had to come here. Sometimes they choose to, of course, but many times are forced to as refugees. And what a difference that can make in another person's life. Yeah. Simply to welcome so, them. You are so right, Lisa. People who have had to deal with all kinds of atrocities of um, uh, war, rape, everything, right? Mm -hmm. Famine, um, displacement, uh, lack of security. Um, I am thinking all of the things Canada gave me that time and meant for me. And so it's funny, there was one thing I remember. I, I could have gone to high school, regular high school in Canada. I was young enough, I 
I believe we don't celebrate ages, but by the time I came to Canada, I believe I was 18. And and I didn't finish high school in Somalia. So I was still at the of an age where can I could still go to high school. But one of the things that as a newcomer, I felt like that's one thing if I can tell Canadian is to when you see someone immigrant new please be curious about them and offer them help. There are things you took for granted, but we, the wilderness refugees, <laughs> we can use some holding of hands and someone patient enough to take. And even if you have to volunteer, even if you help them fill up paper, even if you do simple things, because what happened to me is I felt like I have landed in a new, it's like being a Canadian, a Canadian being dropped into Mars and dealing with this and telling, mm -hmm. okay, okay. Okay, my my Canadian <laughs> survive now, or me dropping you even in Somalia. In Somalia, exactly. You and in us mm -hmm. and out and saying survive. That is yes. how it felt to me. And I remember Lisa being lost, being like just didn't know how to ask for help because again, I am a teenager and my ego was getting the better of me. Of course, mm. I didn't even want to get, when I was talking about the escalator, taking the escalator and I thought, oh, it will just swallow my clothes and I will be <laughs> naked. All my desert goods will be out. So <laughs> it'll be like covering my breast up. I thought, I thought that is the fear I had. I thought the, 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 the elevator was swallowed, the escalator will do crazy too. All of this thing was a fear because I didn't know how to use uh, machines, all of this machine, mm -hmm. everything. I felt by the end of the day, I was so stimulated. I felt the computer, the computer that was overused, that was crashing. Yes. My yes. brain took so much information in just watching and living a normal day for you. I felt, you know, I didn't even know how to open up a, a jars. I go, I'm trying, and somebody will say, put a um, spoon, put a knife, uh, sp uh, put a knife, and just go, oh, I said, well, there's a little trick. And here I am, like, you know, like, just, you know, it's a little thing how to make the microwave. Yeah, you can't put an aluminum thing or mm -hmm. a microwave. Going. I'm like, what, what am I doing? It is such a uh, silly things or thing, but... If you were watching me and you see me, I'm doing crazy things. I said, oh, oh uh, let me help you. There is a kind way to show people like without make belittling, right? Mm. Always wait on them. People are very smart because they have lived life and survived in environment that is much worse than this one. So they know how to survive. So don't yes. belittle them. Don't disrespect them. Just give them the chance and offer them help and tell them I'm here. Offer them for tea. Sometimes they, they people People can feel shy as if they are bothered. You just said, I'm happy to help you. They will remember all of those things mm -hmm. that you are offering them. They will. They will. Yes, they yeah. will. And, you know, I think that it's really, that is at the, the heart and the core of your memoir, which is absolutely beautiful. And it is yeah. so full of so many things, but exactly what you said, which is that, we are all human at our yeah. core. And what you showed us is that your life may have been very different than mine as a child, but yeah. you loved your grandmother and you had experiences that were difficult and beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah. and you faced challenges 
and you moved to another country and learned other languages and survived yeah, because yeah. you had other people in your life and connected yeah, to because them. I had people holding my hand all the time. I am so grateful everything that everyone have done for me to make me the person I am. No one makes it alone. I'm, and I'm saying this in literal. Literally, no one makes it alone. Like, uh, no matter what the person says, if uh, like if everything that took place in my life did not had not happened, I would not have been the person I am today. I remember, <laughs> I, and I was always a fast learner. I must add, you know, you know how Ottawa River freezes. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna pull some Canadian thing on you. <laughs> how Ottawa River freezes and. My husband and I, we were, this was in our first, and my husband and I first met early on. I come to Canada in 92, and by 94, we met. And so he was taking me to the river to skate. You go ski, ski yes. right? Um, skating. Mm-hmm. It's ski, right? You can ski on a river. Not ski, You skating. can skate, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I often mm-hmm. have to think because, you know, here there's no, <laughs> you know, that, that's been my Canadian experience. So I was... Um, skate we were trying to he said let's go skating and I said okay so he took me with a bunch of his guy friend and I'm there and I said we put on the shoe the 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 skate shoes and I said I looked around none of them are moving I said I am thinking you guys were gonna help me and none of them were (laughs) moving right and and being me Shukri this is what I did so I looked around I sized the environment and I just start getting up and, you know, falling a little bit, skidding or whatever you go, you know, whatever yeah. you do, right? Just don't lose your teeth, Shukri, these are permanent, you know? <laughs> you don't want to wear dentures too early. So <laughs> dentures too early. So I started, and before you know it, I was skating down the river and holding on. To, sometimes the, I get lost and I just hug somebody and these Canadian people will just push me along and I will just <laughs> smile and, and I will come toward them and they I can see I'm lo- I have lost control. But because <laughs> I let go, I didn't think, oh, they're going to judge me, they can help me. I just grow up. That's who I am. Really just mm. always like, unless you show me your bad side, I'm always open for you and you say, stay away from me. So I remember smiling and running toward <laughs> this man. I see him. I still see him wearing this winter jacket that was one of the ones that gets um, uh, buttoned up and kind of like, you know, as if you like that the bottom is kind of squished, you know. So he's like, wearing this and it was like purple and blue and I, I think it images so I went to him and he was bending around and I just grabbed all his body and he just he got me up hold my hand I remember and he just let me skate he just let me go like that and then someone else pushed me in. and then so I ended up way down in the river away from my husband and his friend <laughs> while they still and they had skated in the in the past but I always when it comes to this kind of things, you know, I always catch on fast, you know, because I learned how to ski. I often say I'm and that skiing desert woman, you know, in, even in Tahoe, in California, I still ski. So I felt like because I was so open to people, I've learned the Canadian by then. I was speaking English. I, I was just approaching you know, with such a big smile, they didn't mind pushing. And when it was time to go back, someone pushed me back to all this village of people, Lisa, pushed me back to my destination. Oh, 
that is so beautiful. A, I have such a fun. But then I come to my husband and his friend. They were, they stayed around. I think because my husband being shy, there was this thing they didn't want to look awkward or get embarrassed. But not this Somali crazy woman. I was like, hello, just big hug and just push me along, you know, just just. So to this day, you know, now I I've learned how to. Uh, roller skate, skate, ski, and learn a bike. And learning that bike, learning how to ride a bike was the hardest. Was it? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Teenagers <laughs> taught me in California, and I kept ending up in the bushes. And my husband said, you are a 30-year-old woman who's <laughs> willing to lose her front teeth. He said to me, told me. <laughs> you know, literally, I said, well, I they are still my real teeth okay I'm like just you're the only teeth you're, you're real and I said well there's always dangerous I still <laughs> that's right oh yeah. that but, is such a beautiful metaphor for for who you are and the way yeah. you skate through life I love yeah, it it's, <laughs> it's just I'm, I I want to go back to I've been missing Ottawa i I've been going to Edmonton for my best friend, and I was recently there. Excuse me, I was recently there to um, to bury my brother in Edmonton. Oh, I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, it, it's been um, he's in this story, uh, Gulet, and I can see my grin forming the side of me as I talk. But mm. but um, I have um, my brother and I. Often I find myself having a conversation as he passed away, a conversation I couldn't have had with him when he was succumbing to the peak of his addiction and mental illness. And um, I am um, Lisa before I was still filled with um, pain and blame, no matter how much, and mm. still blaming myself, no matter how much I did for him. But I am Lisa. It's funny. This is the first time I'm I'm saying, perhaps I'm feeling that I've done a really lot of things with him. I still would have hoped, I would have loved outcome to have been different. But it shows the the other talk, the the the, the other token, right? I made it. He didn't. There is a price to trauma. Yes, there certainly is. It's surprising. Yes. I love him so much. And um, he left a, a novel behind. He was mm. such a Canadian. And this novel, you can see his Canadianness. And it's funny, I think it is the fabric of who, who we are. He too left in Canada. And he was talking about like when he was, it's written in a novel, but I can see I'm his sister. So I can see yes. the thread of all his life and he too Canada took him as a bewildered refugee but um, we are home today is Canada um, you know where I grew up Somalia and I obviously all closer to each other right mm -hmm. I am um, I feel like if I die I feel like it's because I couldn't hold it along in so much anymore that I will end up going to Somalia and maybe perhaps 
sometimes Somalis say, and I hope this is not my destiny, death can call us, right? Death can call. And it's not that death is calling me. What's really calling me is to have closure, right? This is the reason why people seek closure. I really want to move on. Mm-hmm. But I can't have closure unless I sift my fingers through the sand, the red desert of Somalia and mm-hmm. say an echo. Let it let my ancestors hear my voice as I bellow to them one more yes. last time. Let it let me feel the word, the walls of Muqdisha, the very walls mm-hmm. that was, you know, shattered with bullets and say, I am here to have closure with you. Let me walk into the bathed streets of Mogadishu. Let me watch one more time. Let me have closure with Mogadishu. And I am really wanna make a documentary where I go back home one day and have that closure. I'm okay, Lisa. I'm okay because I've healed and I told my story. Yes. There is a catharticness. If there is a word, if I can play with the word catharticness, <laughs> can you say catharticness? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to create a new word. <laughs> my Somali side is coming out yes, to bend the words. Right. Right? And so it was really cathartic to tell all my stories and that yes. of my sibling. I stayed on the phone, interview all kind of people. Uh, even if my memory was solid, I did not want to make, mm. make a mistake of the Somali history. So I said, okay, this is what I know to be true. But is that, uh, is that true for our culture or is this just my childhood mm-hmm. ima- imagination? Because yeah. I want this book to be used in schools. So yes. that is why I become an, an like an archaeologist excavating a forgotten world, you know. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. a world you, as you say, that you don't have access to right now yeah. that has uh, been yeah. more for so long. Yeah, you are yeah. so, so right. It's yes. in the world you don't have access. And I can tell you, the, the Somali nomadic world that I grew up is no more, I can tell you that, because um, the, it's been denatured, not only by drought, mm-hmm. but everything. But I think the people are not the same. They don't behave the same. Although like like the, the, the Somali mom, grandma that I grew up used to wear a traditional coat. I heard now people wear parka, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it's not... We are, as Wahhabis, some infiltrated uh, Somalis are more, they took in that few. So perhaps now that the Saudi Arabia is, uh, this is a fair thing to talk about now that the Saudi Arabia actually is taking on more soft tone of understanding a woman's right. Perhaps that can spill into right or trickle down to mm-hmm. our Somalis and how they uh, practice because truly uh, the religion uh, Sufism uh, I, I like the way it was and I think that is what we need uh, in not this very harsh life of, of, of strictness is very hard and and also perhaps that can also rein in the back that the, the extreme view of of uh, those guys al-shabaab yes. so i'm really hopeful and mind you i often tell people it is really not easy to be a Somali woman to be all covered up and trying to get a job in the Canadian system. We all know that 
that it is not easy. Somali women have to deal with a lot, you know, misogynistic culture, you know, uh, people who are using, weaponizing the religion. And on top of that, when she looks for a job just to survive, you know, maybe somebody who wants to hire said, I don't know, you're all covered up and I don't know you, but I can tell people, you know, have compassion. And mm-hmm. and and honestly, in Canada, I'm so proud. I see so many uh, women wearing their hijab, working, mm-hmm. and yes. it makes, it swells my heart because really Canadians, even before America were doing some amazing thing with uh, um, the acceptance of other cultures. And um, that is why Canada, is what it is, that is mm. the beauty of Canadian. And I hope as we usher into, usher into a different era, perhaps an era of great misunderstanding and uh, discontent of those who are different from us, we can keep that in mind, that mm. really no one, we need each other. Honestly, I want people really to really know that we cannot have a tribalism in this uh, time. We need to support each other and to listen. And please, if someone holds a different opinion from you, be kind to them, listen them, mm-hmm. and perhaps understand where they're coming from. So yes. maybe you can maybe you can be that change for them, but not when you're arrogant and when you're like, let me show you how it is. No, yes. no one is no. gonna listen to you. Yeah. No. Oh, that is just, I, I love that so much, Shukri. It's its exactly the purpose of why I have these conversations with authors. It's what I believe in, in terms of the books that we read, in terms of learning about one another so that we can understand one another and accept one another and not judge one another. Oh. And these are crazy times, but it's a time to... To remember our shared humanity. This is the reason why I often feel like electronics. Really, I tell my husband, my son, oh, I don't know why you are looking down. A beautiful girl last night. <laughs> you could have been your wife or someone who made it. Too bad. Too bad. <laughs> you you missed her. You just print by and, and yes. she was beautiful and dazzling. You, you missed it. You know? <laughs> so my, so right. often... I feel like hopefully the world don't pass us by. So live yes. life, put that phone down and perhaps, you know, hike and talk to nature, listen to uh, the, the birds and the mm-hmm. owls call the night and just yes. live life. Yeah, that's right. And read books and talk to people who are. Oh, read books. And, and, and honestly, this book is, uh, I, I tell people, if you are an audio person, just listen and tell me what, just to give it literally maybe one or two paragraphs. If it doesn't take you, you can put it down. And if you are a reader, either read the prologue or just the first uh, um, first chapter. Each book starts with Somali proverb yes. and um, the audio version of it, a beautiful, amazing Kenyan accent oh, is reading. Beautiful. And But I read all of the Somali proverb. Mm. And if there was a song to say, I come in and sing, you know, mm. there is a song we sing for Han, which as you know, is the vessel we keep milk and, and, yes. and we kind of, uh, when we are condensing the milk to yogurt, we we sing to Han and we 
telling the hand, you know, in this thing I'm about to say, we say to the hand um, uh, in Somali, so this is telling the hand has someone tumbled with you has someone licked you and ruined you and because we don't want the milk you want to condense it to make to yogurt to be tempered right even the nomads knew about bacteria right if you licked it and put it your tongue and come back we all knew what was going to happen that's why they curate uh, um deal those fossils that we got put milk mm. so i i find every time in the when there was a song to come in or a longer somali words to say such as a somali purpose I come in. And so it becomes a beautiful marriage between this woman and I that really produce one of a kind of audio version. Well, Shukri, thank you. Thank you for your book, for your story, for taking us into Somalia and along your life's journey. And thank you for all the stories you shared here today. It's a real joy to speak with you and to read your words. And next time you are in Ottawa, we might not go skating together, but let's have tea. (laughs) Oh, Lisa, you (laughs) beat me to it, right? Uh, You just beat me in my fellow Canadian. Yes, I will love and love and love to have you at tea. And I will contact you. What we can do is perhaps if I remember, I'll try to remember and we can um, share um, save each other's email and then maybe send it quick each other to each other um so thank you so much i truly truly i really enjoy this and i wanted to tell you thank you so much and i wanted to say hi to my fellow canadian and i wanted to say goodbye to them but you know i can't wait to visit uh canada canada is home yeah beautiful Um, it's home thank you so much Thank you for watching this episode on YouTube or listening via your favorite podcast app. For more information on our guest author, you will find all of their links in the show notes. Please join the conversation by leaving a comment or reaching out directly. We really do love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode, do share the love by leaving a review or sharing on social media. This episode is brought to you by Wayfarer's Book Club, where we set out on a guided journey each month, all from your favorite reading chair at home. Go to intralingo.com for more information.